0: Truth Espresso episode 48. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning.
1: We interrupt your regularly scheduled Truth Espresso episode to bring you the COVID files. The truth is out there. I mean, it's really, really out there. I mean, it's so out there, it's totally ridiculous.
0: Well, welcome to this special edition of True Espresso. This is episode number two of The COVID Files. The COVID Files, Volume 2. If you haven't listened to the last episode, which was COVID Files, Volume 1, I would highly recommend that you do that so that you can get, well, more COVID Files goodness, as it were. On this episode of The COVID Files, we will continue looking at more cases of strange or benign or hypocritical or self-centered or weird political activity that we will file under various verses of Scripture. And we'll see what Scripture has to say about some of these activities. And so, without further ado, we get to our first case of the COVID files, case number one. I am entitling, A Farewell to Arms and Legs and Cardio. On Sunday, March 15th, 2020, like many municipality, county, and state governments, the New York City government requested that everyone in the city stay in their homes. Because of the breaking COVID-19 pandemic and the initial catastrophic estimates that the early models predicted, the recommendation was that everyone only go out for essential things like shopping for groceries, going to the hospital as needed, or work if it couldn't be done from home. On Monday morning, March 16th, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio went to the YMCA during the lockdown request to work out in the gym. Now, granted, the request was not officially an executive order by the governor until 8 p.m. that day, but still... If a government official is going to be a part of telling people what they should stop doing for the sake of spreading a virus, he really should lead by example. Mayor de Blasio visited this particular gym after he himself gave the announcement that previous afternoon, the previous day, that all schools would be shut down because of the virus pandemic. When asked about his action, de Blasio defended it as a way to say goodbye to a huge part of his life. In his words, my guess is that he would not have afforded others that same privilege. I thought the virus did not discriminate in how it spreads and how it infects people. Is this some of that executive privilege creeping up again like we heard from a certain U.S. president in the 1990s? So, what was de Blasio's defense? I knew in advance that it was a very socially
1: distanced situation. There was almost no one there. I had heard
0: that information prior. Uh, yeah, so that's how you practice social distancing like a good citizen, huh? That's being responsible against spreading the virus by taking advantage of the fact that virtually all others will be even more responsible by not going to the gym precisely because of what you yourself said yesterday and then attending yourself in a virtually empty gym? Yep, the mayor is very responsible indeed. De Blasio added,
1: I suspected that we were all going to be about to close them down, and this would be the last chance to get some exercise. I got no exercise whatsoever over the weekend. I was in
0: this building a huge percentage of the time. Look, I understand that it's important to keep up one's health, but not at the expense of others. In fact, this instance was only part of de Blasio's political lifestyle that has drawn him disgust for years. Many New Yorkers have been perturbed by de Blasio's lifestyle as mayor in this regard. Every morning, the citizens would have the privilege of seeing their fearless mayor escorted by SUV from Gracie Mansion to a YMCA 12 miles away in Park Slope. This is not because it's the closest gym to the mayor's quarters. There are plenty of well-equipped gyms nearer and in walking distance to the mayor's residence. But Mayor de Blasio is a creature of habit. He likes this particular gym for sentimental reasons. For instance, his 2013 election celebration was held there. And when you can be escorted by a shiny SUV at taxpayer expense to your favored accommodations, why not? Of course, anyone concerned about the environment in New York is not thrilled about the mayor's blatant and unnecessary disregard for conserving transportation in crowded New York City. But de Blasio is a creature of habit, as I said before, and being elected mayor is not about to change de Blasio's habits. As a gym rat, de Blasio would go to the same gym every morning to the chagrin of passers-by who would expect him to be on the clock doing whatever else a mayor of NYC is supposed to be doing. Other common grievances against Mayor de Blasio have included frequently being late to meetings and taking naps in his office. But on that fateful Monday morning, when everything would be forcibly shut down because of the novel coronavirus, de Blasio just had to visit his favorite gym. The New York Post asked some of de Blasio's former staffers about this controversial workout during a pandemic. They expressed embarrassment over this unnecessary action de Blasio's press secretary, Freddie Goldstein, tried to defend his self-serving action by stating,
2: The YMCA has been a huge part of his and his family's life, like it has been for a lot of New Yorkers. It's clear that's about to change, and before that, the mayor wanted to visit a place that keeps him grounded one last time. That doesn't change the fact that he is working around the clock to ensure the safety of New Yorkers. After today, gyms will close and he will no longer be visiting the YMCA for the foreseeable future.
0: Keep in mind that hours before this, on the previous afternoon, New Yorkers were instructed to treat themselves as if they were all infected by the virus. Governor Andrew Cuomo tried to cut the infamous mayor some slack by saying, He can be in the gym this morning. You
1: can be in the gym this afternoon. You can be in the gym this evening.
0: You just can't be in the gym after 8 o'clock. So, apparently, the virus pandemic wouldn't be allowed to strike New York City until the governor officially struck closed all gyms at the stroke of 8 p.m. Well, I am going to file this one under Matthew 23, verses 1 through 3.
1: Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say,
0: and do not. So now I would like to move on to our second case to file. And this one I have entitled, Till We We Tweet Tweet Again." Again! On Monday, April 20th, New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted a short message that she, very soon afterwards, tried to remove. The reason? A barrage of criticism considered her message deplorable, but she didn't exactly do an about-face. She restated her message in a way that seemed a little less potent, but it still expressed the same opinion. So, what in the world was going on with this? Well, think of the effects of government-imposed stay-at-home orders... Fewer people traveling with fewer reasons to travel with fewer places being allowed to operate means a much lower demand for gasoline to fill car fuel tanks. Lower demand for gasoline means problems for crude oil suppliers dealing with excess inventories. Keep in mind that there are timing issues with higher and lower order stages of production. Gas pumps lowering their retail price for a gallon of gas would not immediately coincide with oil rigs being able to sell at the same proportional cut in the sale price of a barrel of oil. Higher order factors in the supply chain often deal in large orders of raw product with futures contracts. These types of arrangements have their issues with forecasting dynamics for sure, but they are the most efficient way to deal with supply and demand at these higher order stages in an uncertain world. But, as U.S. crude oil companies like West Texas Intermediate had no way of knowing months before that a pandemic would be on the way and that governments would institute strict lockdowns, futures contracts for crude production were set to expire that next day Tuesday. Yet, speculative stock trading put crude oil prices per barrel at negative prices for the first time in history. Scheduled production was temporarily dealing with hardships about how to store excess barrels of crude oil as the lockdowns ensured that oil would not be consumed fast enough. Now, this, of course, did not mean that you could visit your local gas station and be paid to fill your tank. The negative crude prices on paper would be short-lived. Yet some idealist politicians who live only in the ivory tower of their grandiose plots to reshape society according to their own fairy tales might look at a bad situation and think it's good for their goals. Enter democratic socialist Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also affectionately known as AOC, A certain Brandon Smith with a Twitter handle of MuckRakery tweeted, Oil prices now at negative
1: values, meaning oil producers have to pay people to take it off their hands and store it because when demand plunges, like now, that is less expensive for them than building more
0: storage and or shutting wells down. Mr. Smith seemed elated at news that could have signaled problems for the livelihoods of many people working in this sector of the economy. AOC
2: tweeted in reply to follow up. You absolutely love to see it. This, along with record low interest rates, means it's the right time for a worker-led mass investment in green infrastructure to save our planet. Cough. Very shortly after
0: posting that tweet, celebrating what could mean the severe plight of many workers and their families, her tweet received a barrage of criticism. Soon after posting this original tweet, AOC deleted it, which would remove all original replies at that point. AOC eventually created a new tweet to take its place one that expressed the original sentiments, but perhaps repackaged with a prettier bow on top.
2: The new tweet read as follows. This snapshot is being acknowledged as a turning point in the climate movement. Fossil fuels are in long-term structural decline. This, along with low interest rates, means it's the right time to create millions of jobs transitioning to renewable and clean energy, a key opportunity.
0: No obnoxious coughing necessary in this new tweet message. Of course... The replies to this new tweet would constantly repost the original message to let AOC know that the Internet has no paper trail shredder. The Internet has a long memory. The backlash of comments relentlessly reminded AOC that she had cheered on the destruction of jobs and livelihoods to working class Americans that she claims to support. This same AOC has convenienced herself by flying in an airplane for shorter distances that could have consumed less oil by taking the train. But yet, since her lucrative job is not on the line but is supported with taxes, she can opine from her cushy ivory tower, while thousands of unknown faces can be forced out of work and struggle to feed their families or pay their rent. Commenters also reminded AOC that lower prices for oil would not mean higher demand for alternative energy, since oil is abundant and cheap now, and that higher oil prices would be more of a catalyst for seeking alternatives, not lower prices. Also, much of what AOC relies on for her cushy livelihood is run on oil— but we can't expect her to realize that tidbit of reality. She does have a degree in economics, but even with an econ degree, when your political ideology is disconnected from the reality of supply and demand, we can't expect you to understand simple econ 101, or compassion for the nameless, faceless poor. I am going to file this one under Proverbs seventeen five. Whoso
1: mocketh the poor reproacheth his maker, and he that is glad
0: at calamities shall not be unpunished. And now finally... I would like to get to our third and our last case to file in this episode of The COVID Files. And this one I am going to entitle Hair Today, Golf Tomorrow. So also on Monday, April 20th, the very same day as the previous file regarding AOC and negative oil prices, One particular news reporter got quite angry at a bunch of people. Well, who were these people and why was this reporter angry? Well, the first organized protests against the stay-at-home lockdown orders were happening in states across the Union. About 2,000 people in a protest in Pennsylvania, about 1,000 in Wisconsin, hundreds in Tennessee, and others in Colorado, Washington, Idaho, Utah. They were demanding an end to the stay-at-home orders, especially as original timelines were being extended weeks or a month or so, or even for the foreseeable future. But CNN anchor Don Lemon took offense to all these organized rallies. He had a lot of words to say and a lot to get off his chest. It makes me so
1: angry, steamed Lemon. Because every night when I leave the studio and when I come in, there's an army of people through New York City, an army of immigrants and people of color and poor people who
0: are keeping the city running. Lemon was referring to the fact that what the government allowed as essential workers, such as medical professionals, grocery store workers, and truck drivers, were working hard. Sure, Mr. Lemon, some things are running. That doesn't mean everyone is okay. The ones who are not among these essential workers are forced by executive order to be out of work and not be able to provide for their families. Don't you think that might ruffle some feathers just a little bit? especially when what started as a timeline of a few weeks was extended indefinitely. Don't you think that might upset some people who need paychecks to live? Mr. Lemon continued, They are disinfecting offices. They are
1: cleaning people. They are changing bedpans. And they are working. And those people are out there complaining that they don't have haircuts? Who
0: the do you think you are uh mr lemon where did you get the idea that all these thousands of people were protesting because they don't have haircuts it's not as if lack of haircuts are the only sacrifice people are having to make for their own safety and the safety of others Remember, if the city or county or state government did not deem your way of making a living essential, then you have just experienced an unexpected, unplanned disruption to your livelihood for which you have no inkling of planning. You are immediately and without negotiation forbidden from working the way you know how and earning a living for your family and paying your bills or your rent or mortgage. Now, allegedly, you could file for unemployment, but what if you can't get it? How long will the application take to get processed? You can't just become a nurse or a doctor on the spot. Could you join the front lines and bag groceries? What if you're one of those older, vulnerable people and can't risk exposure in the dangerous, essential business of selling groceries? What if you cut hair for a living? Your grievance is not that you want your hair cut, but that if you aren't allowed to cut other people's hair, you aren't allowed to pay your bills. Mr. Lemon continued to berate by exclaiming, And if you're
1: upset about it, you should be mad at the president because he's the one
0: who's supposed to help your small businesses. So, Mr. Lemon, why is it the responsibility of the president of the USA to help your small business? Why does a barber's well-being in Madison, Wisconsin, depend on one man in Washington, D.C.? Why would the president be the one to blame? He didn't give an executive order forcing people out of work. All he did was give guidelines. The mayors and governors of each state are the ones forcing people out of work. If you need to work and the governor of your state is directly responsible for forbidding you to work, who do you think you should protest? Uh, how about the governor of your state? More from Mr. Lemon.
1: I understand that you're hurting. I understand that people are hurting. Yes, a lot of people are hurting. But there are people that are frontline
0: workers who have to get out there. So, Mr. Lemon, you understand that people are hurting. What do you understand about that? So far, the only hurt you've been ranting about is not being able to get a haircut. Did you see the protesters in Pennsylvania holding up signs saying, No more shag, reopen PA, or buzz or bust, or something like that? Perhaps you weren't seeing the same protests that others were seeing. No, I saw signs that said work, not welfare, and get PA back to work, and all business is essential, and church is essential, and wrongfully oppressing livelihoods with fear, playing off Governor Tom Wolfe's last name. I've searched, and I've seen nothing about haircuts specifically. If there were, they probably came from barbers and salon owners who, shock of all shocks, actually need to make a living. Here's more of Lemon's angry wisdom.
1: You're slapping the faces of the people, the healthcare workers, who put their lives on the line every day because you want a haircut. You want to go
0: play golf. No, Mr. Lemon, they want to work so that they can get a paycheck. They need to pay their bills. They're not slapping the faces of anyone. It is the mayors and governors forbidding work and forcing mass unemployment programs that are slapping the healthcare workers and the grocery store workers and the truck drivers in the face by making them essentially wage slaves to support everyone else. And no, I don't see the protesters sobbing that they can't get a haircut or play golf. Maybe that's what you would like to do, Mr. Lemon, but some people actually just need to work and pay their bills now mr lemon next complained about some of the protesters showing up armed yes it is understandable to feel threatened or uncomfortable about that perhaps some of them were rude and unruly perhaps bringing arms was unnecessary and appeared to be the threat of violence but think about the predicament If these people simply tried to work and earn a living, they could be staring in the face of armed people in uniforms. So, if these protesters simply put on a show, gently requesting a change from their governor, perhaps the seriousness of the situation would be lost. What would compel otherwise peaceful, law-abiding people at least to exhibit the potential for violence? Maybe having their livelihood and dignity stripped away at a moment's notice and the dire consequences extended indefinitely. Mr. Lemon, let me return you my own rant. Mr. Lemon, you also said... I have to keep my composure because I want to keep my job. A job, sir, is precisely what this whole rant is all about. You ended by whining, In the meantime, there are people
1: who are keeping your cities going, keeping your loved ones alive, and you want to get a haircut? Who the do you think you are what is wrong with people i don't understand what is wrong with people stay
0: at home mr lemon you're going to assume the worst about people and accuse them of threatening violence because you think they just want to get a haircut or go golfing well who do you think you are as you said every night when i leave the studio and when i come in You know what that is? A job. Have you forgotten, sir, that you have a job that pays you money to live? And I'm sure the CNN studio pays you a lot more for this job than the average person protesting for the right to hold a job. In fact, you're getting paid a pretty penny to rant your opinion, while these thousands of job-deprived citizens aren't getting paid to voice theirs. Who do you think you are? And you think they should all turn their grievances toward one man, the President of the United States, as if he is responsible for directing free money into their pockets in an instant to preserve their livelihoods? Who do you think you are? And as you get the privilege of going to your cushy job that hasn't been taken away by force, you're going to yell at people who have a will to survive and the skills to support themselves and their families. But they're threatened with guns if they try to survive by working what should be their jobs honestly and carefully, and you think that the protesters are the ones slapping the faces of the healthcare care workers? If you expect the federal government to support tens of millions of people on unemployment without a clear expiration date, do you understand what a tremendous tax burden and cost that would be on those essential workers to be forced to bear the entire economy on their shoulders? Oh, but you don't have to think about these things because you have a job. You get paid to rant. You are distanced from the needs of other people, and you have no clue about real economics. If you had to deal with the fear of uncertainty, the erosion of life savings, the loss of personal dignity, or even potential starvation... Perhaps you just might understand people. What is wrong with news anchors? I don't understand them. There, I said it. End of counter rant. (laughs) And so, for the sake of Mr. Lemon, the CNN news anchor, I am going to file this one under Proverbs 18.13
1: he that answereth a matter before he heareth it it is folly and shame unto him
0: well i hope you have enjoyed this episode volume 2 of the covid files stay tuned for more exciting episodes of truth espresso and maybe we will have even more volumes of the covid files <music> Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso.
1: You have just experienced the COVID files. The truth was out there. Did you get it? Was it really, really
2: out there?